श्री गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाय ग्रंथराज श्रीमद् भागवत की जाय गौर भक्त बिंद की presented the full face of bhakti, which is what Srimad Bhagavatam is constituted of, of course. And so in the context of instructing him in this way, of course, he defined what is bhakti, by way of contrast, what is not bhakti, uh, very much separating bhakti from jnana and karma and so forth, rather philosophical discussion, and he implored him to go samadhinanusmratadvichyashtitam, given his qualities, which were also described, and go and sit in samadhi, meditate on the pastimes of Krishna, and see what comes. Of course, Srimad Bhagavatam is the samadhi bhasha, the language of the samadhi of Vyas, which will come, which will be described in the seventh chapter, two chapters ahead. By Sutta Goswami to the sages, what actually he experienced in the trance. This is a the hub in one sense around which the Bhagavatam is to be understood. In other words, what Vyasa experienced in his trance, which gave rise to Srimad Bhagavatam, all the verses of Bhagavatam should be understood in relation to that. And there we find really the genesis. Um, in the writings of Jiva Goswami of the Achinti Beda Beda doctrine of, uh, of Vedanta. Hmm? So that lies ahead, of course, but um, as per this chapter, as I say, Narda gave him the solution, he gave him philosophical instruction, and having concluded that section, now he has begun, which takes up, what takes up the final part of this chapter, shorter part, the story of his own life, wherein he seeks to reiterate what he has already said in abstract physical ter- uh, uh, philosophical terms, which is often a little harder to grasp, by way of a story, and the story of his own life. So the guru is going to tell his own story, how he became enlightened. Fascinating. This would be, this, of course, we perk up from the, with this, and we're anxious to hear, and so on. But again, it's a way of reiterating what he's already said, which might have been a little harder to grasp, the essence of that, that is. This is in keeping with the very 
tradition of the Purana, and for that matter, the insight of Jiva Goswami, which was very revolutionary, controversial, that being that the Puranas, and Srimad Bhagavatam in particular, are more substantial evidence um, than the Upanishads, the Veda, the Shruti, the Smriti is more substantial than the Shruti. Of course, at the same time, we may also define Srimad Bhagavatam as it is to define itself, Shruti Saramikam, the essence of the Shruti. It was spoken originally by Bhagwan in four verses, as we'll hear later in the second canto, to Brahma. Hmm? Nonetheless, it's categorized as a, as a smriti. Smriti means that which is kind of remembered about what has been heard and thereby reiterated, and often in the form of narratives. So, in the Puranas we find all these fascinating stories, which are quite interesting, and they are really a retelling of the essential message of the Upanishads in a way that's more palatable, more perhaps more readily understandable, drives the point home, and therefore, in a sense, arguably, is more comprehensive, uh, more more um, weighty of the contribution. Hmm? After all, it's not um, how you say the thing as much as it is how well you are under- you, you're, you're able to be un- make yourself understood. In writing, we don't just try to speak in the mo- write in the most lofty language as possible. We try to write in such a way that people will get what we're talking about. So anyway, this is a, a principal argument of Jiva Goswami in his uh, Tathasandarbha that brings him to then, if the Puranas, Purna, from which the word Purana comes from, means, again, it means complete. If they complete the Veda, then arguably they're more important. They have been referred to as the fifth Veda, for that matter, labors hard to make some put some emphasis on the on the Smriti because why? He's coming to the point of saying, and amongst all the Puranas, Srimad Bhagavatam Malam Puranam, Vidvaishamanam, Priyam. Srimad Bhagavatam is the spotless evidence. Amalam Pramanam, Amalam Puranam. And so here the history of that is coming in the Bhagavad itself. It's a it's a it's a history of something that of course defies history. After all, it's it's a speaking about a speaking about a speaking. As I said, the Genesis in one sense is the speaking of Krishna in four verses to Brahma. We have Nard here is speaking the Bhagavatam to Vyas. This is the Nard Bhagavatam. We just went through it. You know, Twelve or fourteen verses or so. Now the story where it's reiterated, as I said. Then there's, of course, Sukadeva Goswami speaking to Maharaj Parikshit. The sages of Naimisharanya are hearing from Sutta Goswami, who was present when um, Sukadeva spoke, and now he's reiterating it. We also find in the Bhagavatam that, that Sankarshan spoke the Bhagavatam to the four Kumaras. You know, it's, it's an ongoing, you know, it is the Bhagavatam, it's the life of Bhagwan, so it has no beginning <laughs> and it has no end. Hmm? Nonetheless, this is one of the major beginnings, if you will, the kind of a formal beginning of the Srimad Bhagavatam, authored 
by Vyas, who taught his son Sukadev. Hmm? Uh, we haven't come to that part. This is all building up to that. Hmm? Uh, so the Bhagavad here is telling its own story. Nard plays an important role. Now his his life. So he told us that in the previous life of previous day of Brahma, long, long, long time ago, this happened to me. You can understand. Some special remembrance by the grace of Bhagwan hmm, has um, Nard has been blessed with for the purpose of telling such a story. Because otherwise, as we said the other night, what does Krishna say in the Gita to Arjuna? Many births you and I have passed, I remember them all. Mm-hmm. And you don't. Many births you and I have passed, Arjuna. You, the Jiva, and me, Bhagwan. The difference is, I remember them all, and you don't. So that Nardi would remember his previous life hmm, in a previous kalpa. We find, as I mentioned the other night, later in Bhagavan, in the seventh canto, he remembers a life previous to that as well, in the Gandharvaloka. And how he offended the Namkirtan, the Harikata that was going on. How he had to take birth then as a maidservant. How he became the son of Brahma. Nara is a very special person in the Bhagavatam, very um, multi-faceted. Kind of You'll see when we, when we hear about his, his liberation, his attaining his swarup and so forth. How he... Um, uncharacteristically entered into the Mahavishnu and came back out. It's uncharacteristic of liberated for the purpose of his traveling, canvassing and whatnot. So, very, very interesting, compelling story. And what we find in these, uh, uh, encapsulated, if you will, in these first few verses, uh, Vishwana Chakrabhitapur has, has read the verses in such a way as to say, again, the different stages of bhakti are being described. They were described earlier. Nasta Praheshu, Badreshu, Nityam Bhagavata Seva, and so forth. Uh, and prior to that, Ruchi was described, and, uh, and uh, Sadhusanga, and Bhajanakriya, Anartana Vritti, Tadada, Rastamubhava, Kamalubhava, and so forth. This was in uh, what second chapter. Hmm? So again here, now the stages are being reiterated, kind of in a in a in a cryptic way, and this can be read, of course, in another way, wherein the stages that Narada goes through, the stages of bhakti articulated, for example, by Rupa Goswami, uh, ninefold from Shraddha to Prem, Adu Shraddha Tata Sadhusanga, and so forth. Another reading of this is how it, it plays out a little longer because this chapter will end and Vyas will ask some questions which tell, which inspires Nara to tell more of his story. What happened next? What happened next? Up to the point where he, he attained his swarup and so on and so forth. The Lord appeared to him and disappeared. So it may also more readily perhaps be read um, such that the attainment of Prem on the part of Narada took a little longer than, for example, Vishwanath is tends to see it in these verses before he even left the home. Hmm? Prabhupada and and perhaps others, I believe, have also seen it to have played out a little bit longer if he attained praying after leaving home. But Pravjiva Goswami, we've heard here, or excuse me, Pravjiva Chakravarti, 
Krishna Chakrabhutaka, we've heard that he had Sadhu Sangha, preliminary Sadhu Sangha. From that, he got um, um, faith, he got more Sadhu Sangha, he got invocation was in the context of that Sadhu Sangha, he got initiated, he got instructions on, on devotional practices by Janakriya, he did that, one of which was taking the prasad and heard how by doing that, all the obstacles from karma were removed. Hmm? His devotion became steady. He attained ruchi. So we come to tonight's verse. Here's what it says. Tatranu paham Krishna katha pragayatam anugrahena srinavam mano haraha tashadhyame nupadam Vishwindata Priyashravasi Anga Mamabhavad Ruchi. Hmm. It says here then, thereafter, taking us now to the next subject, hmm. Krishna Kata Pragayatam. This is a significant statement here because previously in this description of his life he said he met these, these people, they were Vedantists. Hmm. They studied the Vedanta, they taught me the Vedanta. So, as we know, there are all kinds of Vedantists. And they're not all devotees, for that matter. They're the uh, Advaita Vedantists. I guess those are the ones that aren't devotees. <laughs> and uh, they have some semblance of devotion, some of them. Hmm. But then there's the Vishishta Dvaita, Dvaita Dvaita, Shuddha Dvaita, hmm. this Dvaita, that Dvaita. So, different types of Vedantists. We don't know yet that these, what kind of Vedantists, but we have a suspicion they must be, as Prabhupada would term them, and has in his commentary, Bhakti Vedantists. In other words, they were Vedantists of a devotional temperament, devotional Vedantists, theistic Vedantists. Indeed, they were, as we find here, they were devotees, but more, they were devotees of Krishna. This is a significant um, aspect of Srimad Bhagavatam. If you study Srimad Bhagavatam, you'll see all the principal speakers and all the principal inquirers of the Bhagavatam have Krishna as their Ishtadevata. Prahlad did, hmm? Sukadev, hmm? here, uh, Narada does, and Narada's gurus the Bhakti Vedanta they were hmm? Krishna Kata Pradayatam they were there for the four months of the rainy season and they were regularly gathering like this hmm? for Krishna Kata hmm? so again we find Krishna is the subject of the book obviously this is another beautiful point raised in the Krishna Sandara of Jiva Goswami. All the principal speakers, all the principal listeners, they're Ishta Devatas Krishna. It doesn't mean necessarily Prajanda Nandan Krishna. Prahlad's Ishta is Krishna, but he had, um, and Krishna appeared as Narasimha. That's why Narasimha is considered to be a Sadaishvarya. Um, Avatar. There are three. Sadashvarya means six Aishvaryas, means full, full featured Bhagwan, much as Bhagwan means 
Bhagavan, who possesses Bhagavan, uh, to possess all Bhagya, all, all opulences, all fame, all strength, all wealth, all knowledge, all beauty, uh, all renunciation. We find different avatars possess this to one extent or another extent. Two, three opulences. So, Krishna is Sadashvarya Purnam. Ram is Sadashvarya Purnam. And Narasimha. Why only Narasimha out of Vaikuntha? Ram is from Ayodhya. It's a little north of Vaikuntha. <laughs> there's, there's, there's some uh, uh, more uh, intimacy that we find, and this is how distance is measured there, by rasa, by intimacy. In Ayodhya, in, in Ayodhya, Dham, Ram has a mother. Hmm? He has brothers. He has a father. Hmm? Not everybody can become a mother. Hmm? He has a wife. Not everybody can become a Sita. Ekapatni Vrat was Ram's position. One wife only. Hmm? That was, I guess, an austerity at the time. <laughs> anyway, yes. Not every jiva can go to Ayodhya and become a mother like this facility is there with Krishna, of course. But we don't find Narayan has a mother. There's no Vatsali. There's no... Um, there's, there's, uh, the Saki is, is, is uh, full of Gaudava, uh, reverence and so forth. It's reduced. So anyway, a little north of Vaikuntha. So, and he's human-like. He comes to human society. Um, and so he had all six opulences he manifested them Krishna also around Krishna they're very popular for this reason they had all opulence but Nashinga is a Vaikuntha deity so it's very peculiar and the reason of course is because as I say he arose out of hmm, Prahlad's devotion to Krishna you study Bhagavatam you see in the seventh canto and, uh, and earlier on wherever Prahlad is mentioned uh, and it comes up Hmm. His deity is Krishna. Hmm. In a Vaidhi Bhakti context, no doubt. Hmm. Not in a Raj Bhakti context. And when a need arose for a special appearance of Krishna, given the curse of Brahma, or uh, uh, the, the, uh, the benediction of Brahma, Kasipu, and so forth, Krishna manifests as Narasimha. So, a very special um, manifestation of the god, the, the deity of the Vedim Sridhar Swami, whose Bhagavatam commentary, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, much um, revered and appreciated for that matter. It said that, um, what is it said? That uh, Sukadev knows the Bhagavatam, Shiva knows the Bhagavatam, Parikshit may know, may not know, but Sridhar Swami knows by the grace of Nishing today. So, here, anyway, they are devotees, this kind of Vedantist, and they are devotees of Krishna, appropriately so. The, the line of Narada's bhakti is coming from them. They're devotees of Krishna. So the type of Vedantists have been identified. And... Um, Of course, they would have to be devotional Vedantists for him to have gotten bhakti in the first place, but more so. Hmm? Devotees of Krishna and Anugrahena Srinabhan 
Manoharah. Hmm? He says that they were merciful to me. They showed me their mercy. They engaged constantly, regularly in Hadikata, in Krishna Kata, and and they blessed me. Hmm? So as I said earlier that there's effort in bhakti and there's grace in bhakti, but the effort is to position oneself in such a way that will attract more grace. It's really a grace path. We should act in one sense as if it's effort dependent, hmm? while knowing it's completely grace dependent. Even if you put the full effort in, there's no um, kind of like guarantee, if you will, you'll get back the result. It's not like karma, in other words. With karma, if you do it right, perfectly, hmm, you get the result. If you put the coin in the machine, the can will come out. Well, of course, unless the machine's broken, but this one doesn't broken. So there's a system. Karma, this is a, a low-end religious orientation. It's rule-oriented. Hmm? The more is rule-oriented, the less love there is. Hmm? So it's a negotiation, it's a business kind of thing. You do it like this, you stand like this, you turn like that, you chant in this way, you do this sacrifice, so on and so forth, fast for this many hours, and boom, out comes the result. So bhakti is not like that. Result could come, result could not come. I mean, we know it will come, I guess you can say, but when it will come, and something may come that looks just the opposite of what I'm looking for. One has to be very high-minded, in a sense, to take the bhakti. There's a nice bird that uh, Pujapadrita Marsh liked to invoke the example of. I think Rupa Goswami has, has done the same. That, what is it, Chakor bird who only drinks the water from the raindrop before the raindrop hits the ground. If it touches the ground first, poetic bird, uh, won't drink the water. Hmm? When he casts his beak up during the storm, he could get on nothing but a bolt of lightning on his head. Mahaprabhu spoke like this about Prabhupada. He might trample me. He might embrace me. He might step on my head. I'm not moving. I'm not budging from this position. He could show me his grace. He could turn away from me. He's completely swarat, independent. Of course, at the same time, he's conquered by bhakti. By that attitude, she has him completely. She has him completely. But the point is, it's not a formula. There's a real person on the other end. Hmm? Not a machine. Hmm? It has nothing to do with material nature. Material nature is, you know, you, 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 you interact with it in a particular way, you're going to get a particular result. Hmm? With Krishna, he, he could be attracted, he could wait, he could not, hmm? so on and so forth. So, the mercy is more important. Hmm? 
in the effort, but we shouldn't speak about it in such a way as that people will reach the wrong conclusion that, well, why do any effort? I used to sell the book and some people would say, well, if God wants me to take it, I guess I will. I said, he does. <laughs> I'm here to tell you about that. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. He wants you to take it. Believe me. Hmm? So, we shouldn't say, oh, well, if, I, if Krishna wants me to make advance, but he wants to give me mercy, then I guess I'll advance. We should live as if it's dependent upon our effort while knowing hmm? it's fully dependent upon his grace. We know his grace. We know his nature. That's true. That's why he were his devotees. He gave his mercy to Putana. All she did was dress up like a devotee, even though she had a demonic intention. And still he gave her bhakti. Therefore we think, we're going to take shelter of Krishna. <laughs> Not any other god or god. Is there any other manifestation of Bhagavan for that matter? Look at the measure of his mercy. This is the, the insight of, of uh, Uddhava. And Uddhava's insight is very important in Srimad Bhagavatam because he was Shastravit. He was the advisor of Krishna on Shastra. That's why Krishna chose him, one of the reasons, in Dwarka, to go and send the message to the gopis. Because when he, when he sent the message to the gopis, he would send a message to all of us. If somebody from the Braj says, this is the best kind of bhakti, you might take them seriously, they might not. After all, they're, they're only cow people. How educated are they? They don't even recite the Vedas there. But Uddhava, if Uddhava comes from there and says, this kind of devotion, it's like, Shruti Bhimbhagyam, he said. It's like beyond the Shruti, beyond the Vedas. I just like wander around for a couple of months in a trance there after seeing that. Hmm? I, I didn't know. I was sent there to preach to them. I told the gopis, "Don't cry." I tried to give them lessons in gyan. After all, things come, things go. It is the will of providence. Don't cry. But he realized they're crying because they're attached to Krishna. Hmm? How can I? T- <laughs> he became bewildered at that point. Hmm? The measure of their devotion. So. He sang about that, some verses are there in Bhagavatam, important verses. But they're coming from the mouth of Uddhava, who we might give a little more credibility to. Hmm? If we still haven't come in the direction of any, any, any real attachment for Bhagavan. Hmm? You know the Veda, in other words, we might be motivated in devotion out of scriptural injunctions. If you do this, that will be good for you. If you don't do this, that will be bad for you. Hmm? This is Vaidhi Bhakti. Hmm? If the motivation is scriptural, it's scripturally right, scripturally not right, if I should do it or not do it, hmm? that's one thing. The whole idea of the Brat, the way it's portrayed and so forth, is what? They didn't care what the scripture said. <laughs> they just loved Krishna. This is not a reason for us to throw out the book here. Hmm? <laughs> but it says that there is a motive also for bhakti beyond duty. I do it because it's the right thing to do. This is by in 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 the brudge, they're doing it, although it's the wrong thing to do. <laughs> You're not supposed to take I mean the deity off the altar and wrestle him to the ground. 
You're not supposed to do that. That's like turning the whole religious world upside down. And you're winning and you're on top of them. For the count of ten. And then he has to carry you on his shoulders of being the loser. This is the... This is Everything's reversed out. It's not supposed to happen like that. So it's described like that. It's happening like that. It's described like that. There's a message to that. There's a different motive. And the motive is love. There's love in duty also. But there's another kind of love that's that will that, that I'll cross over the duty for the sake of if the occasion should arise. If it gives pleasure to Bhagwan. And it does, he says. How? He said, those Vedic chanters, they put me to sleep. Hmm? Mahavishnu, a good part of the time he's just sleeping away. Hmm? Hmm. They're reciting the Vedas and all, and he's just snoozing. Wake up, have some food, go back to bed. Hmm? Krishna, on the other hand, the full face of Bhagwan, never sleeping. He only pretends to go to bed at night, and he's off again hmm? into the moonlit night, even the dark moon nights. Hmm? He's there. Hmm? He gets a wink here or there, kind of. Hmm? The implication of that, of course, is the nature of the bhakti. Yeah. It's attracting him. It's keeping him awake at night and all day in alert. Hmm? And there, there's some bhakti in reciting the Vedas and all this, all this kind of thing, but there's corresponding deities for that. They're not as awake. Hmm? They're doing a lot of... They're, they're, and there are manifestations of Krishna. Krishna says in Chaitanya Charitamrita, that stuff puts me to sleep. Oh, God. Hmm? Now, this other thing, hmm? the way my friends love me, the way my parents treat me, where, my, where the milkmaidens treat me. That is special. I would like to see people interested in that because that's being interested in me. Alone. And what makes me tick and what turns me on. Not what I might have that you might want. Like eternal life. whole bunch of things. Or whatever. Hmm? No. So to be a little interested in this by good association... That would just turn Krishna's attention towards us. Hmm? Narada was a little interested in these Bhakti Vedantas that gave him mercy. Hmm? They were they were engaged in Harikatha, Krishna Kata. He became a little interested. Also, they became so interested in him. He liked that. They showed him his mercy, their mercy. And what, he says, they showed me their mercy, they graced me, they blessed me. Hmm? And Manohara. Manohara ta sharaya me nupadam. He says, he uses the word shraddhaya here. I followed them faithfully. But it doesn't indicate the first stage of bhakti, shraddha. Because he says, Manohara shraddhaya. Hmm? Manohara means my mind, hara, was stolen. Hmm? This doesn't happen in the beginning of bhakti. When does this happen? Hmm? When is it that the mind is actually stolen away? In asakti. Because what is the difference between asakti and ruchi? In ruchi, the previous stage that was discussed was 
there becomes an attachment to bhakti. Mahaprabhu said it, Naranam Najanam Nasundarim Kobitam Bad Dagadisha Kama Ye. Mama Janmani Janmanishpare. I'm not interested in anything that the world is made up of. I don't want this, I don't want that, I don't even want to get out of the world. Mama Janmani Janmanishpare Babatad Bhakti Ahoy What do I want? Ahoy Tuki. Means I don't want anything. I want. And it means I want only bhakti. Hmm? So is attachment to bhakti. Now attachment to bhakti matures to a point where it becomes apparent that one is more attached to the object of bhakti than to the bhakti. That means not, not, not that the attachment to bhakti goes away, but the attachment to bhakti brings the object of bhakti, Krishna, that much more into the picture of one's life. And it becomes prominent in asakti. Therefore, it was described, as we heard in our discussion of Madhuri Kadamani, the heart becomes like a cleansed mirror entirely. And Bhagavan is reflecting on that. The consciousness is like, like Mahabhu was compared to a darpana, a mirror. So if you take that consciousness and you uh, face it towards a material object and the material object picture of that comes on the consciousness. These are vrittis then. Hmm? Vrittis. Like waves in the ocean of your consciousness. Consciousness here means the, the organ, the internal subtle organ that that the atma communicates with the world through and experiences the world. Hmm? So it becomes cleansed and because it's become cleansed in the context of Krishna Bhakti then Krishna comes on that mirror of the consciousness. And so, manifesting in the consciousness, like in a reflective way, there is Krishna. Hmm? It's like if you took a, a crystal, spotik money, and it's clear, and you place it next to a red rose, it becomes red. Hmm? It's almost like it's right there, the red color, the, 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 the rose. Hmm? So, Manohara, Mahaprabhu said, how did he speak about it? He said, he says, he identifies his deity. He says, Kinkaram. Kinkaram means maidservant. He's saying, I want to live in the house of Nanda Maharaj. This is what a young girl would do. Hmm? A young girl would marry. And, and, and then move into the house of her husband's father. So he says, I want to be a maidservant of Nandamara. I mean, I want, uh, of, of the son of Nanda Tanu Ja. Such a nice word. Nanda Tanu Ja. Whose, it, it, it means whose Ja, birth from the body, Tanu of Nanda. Of course, Nanda is the root for Ananda, for joy, for bliss. Hmm? He's born from the body of bliss. But that's an Aishwarya way of looking at it. Hmm? From a Madhurya way of looking, he's actually born from the body of Nanda. They're not thinking of him as he's Bhagwan. He's Nanda's. He's a Brajbasi. He's one of us. Mm-hmm. Hmm? 
He says, I want to become a maidservant in the house of Nanda or of the son of Nanda. That's the implication. So what's happening is, he went from being attached to bhakti, now manohara. The theological person, as I said earlier today, has become a real... It looks like he's a real person. More real than anybody else that I thought was a person. All of whom are here today and gone tomorrow. Hmm? An, endu- an enduring person. And, uh, and another, and other, but in the realm of consciousness, not in the realm of matter. Thus, my Ananda, the Ananda that I'm partially constituted of, has a prospect now. Hmm? It, it has prospect with, in the realm of consciousness as much as there's another to repose it in. So it be, it's becoming clear to them. So the word here, Manoharam, it indicates this. And the Shraddhaya hmm? may nupadam. And he, he went forward faithfully, his mind stolen. Hmm? following these, uh, these Bhaktivedantas. Hmm? This is no, no, no land of no return. He's, he's leaving Sadhana Bhakti and entering into Bhavi Bhakti. And so the verse concludes what? Priyashravasi Ango Mamab Bhavad Luchi and Vishwanath Chakrabati Thakur says in other readings the word is Rati. Hmm? So we will take that word because in the previous loka Ruchi was used. Hmm? And we've explained that verse, how it, it, it is uh, depicting the stage of Ruchi. So here are the stages of Asakti and Rati. And Rati is a synonym for Bhava. Hmm? So here Narada, by the grace of the Bhaktivedanta, he's attained Asakti. Now Bhava. Next will come Prima. Hmm? Any question? This is in a previous day of Brahma. Mm. Seems like it's toward the end of, of, of uh, let's see, yeah, all the different yuga cycles. Because very soon after that, he it says that he merges into the body of Mahavishnu. At the time of the cosmos mm, winding up. He enters into that. That's that's a Vishnu breathing in, or is that just part of Brahma winding up his day? Yeah, uh, I we have to look at the verse. I don't yeah. recall. Maybe anyway, I was just thinking. Wow, that's a long time ago. At least five hundred yuga cycles, and Krishna is being worshipped, and he appears once in a day of Brahma. And so he would have appeared a long time before that. And I guess some, I mean, for all of us it's natural, we would just say, okay, yeah, everybody worships Krishna, everybody at all times, they're aware of him. But some skeptical people may say, it'd be a narrow form of skeptic, someone that believes that there's days of Brahma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just trying to put this into context, because it is, when you try to wrap your head around it, it's, it's pretty far out, and... Mm-hmm. And the more you so you're saying, well, how would they be devotees if Krishna necessarily, uh, whereas Krishna hadn't appeared in the world, or he appeared a long time ago, 500 yeah. yuga cycles ago, and how are they? Um, yeah, it's not that I doubt it. It's just 
you know, when you put it out, and you put out the question, then when you discuss it, it kind of brings out more, like, wow, I never thought of that. That's Krishna comes once in the day of Brahma, followed by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Is, is mm. that only once in the day of Brahma that Krishna appears? Yeah. I've heard that. Once At the beginning of Kali Yuga, right? Hmm? At the beginning of Kali Yuga, right? At the end of the Dwarpa Yuga. Right, the, or some slight the, overlapping. Right. Uh, yeah. So then, the, based on, then, would, he would have come at the end of Dwarpa Yuga, the previous day of Brahma. 28th and 100,000... Uh, 100... 100,000 <laughs> Yuga cycles. Well, the answer, probably the, you know, the simple way to answer this is that, that they appeared... Um, in a previous day of Brahma, and Krishna appears once in a day of Brahma. Right. So they appeared shortly after Krishna appeared in that day of Brahma. Right. <laughs> so it'll be like the, an- <laughs> the so the anniversary of this happening would be happening in like further in the. But the Bhagavatam does not want us to get bogged down in this. <laughs> yes. Um, so does every day Brahma makes the mistake of, or, I guess, mistake of stealing the cows and. Uh, and <laughs> I think that it's what's important, and the Bhagavatam is a very essential text, so it does not really um, um, encourage us to ask those kind of questions. It, it wants to speak to us primarily about this time, the times that are with us, that are important. Um, the whole description of Kali Yuga in the 11th chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, for example, in the Yuga Avatars, is only about this particular Kali Yuga. They could have talked about all the different Kali Yugas and so forth, but that doesn't really serve our purpose very well. Hmm? Um, and and so it wants us to be focused on things that will serve our purpose very well. And these are only kind of abstract ways of talking about things, for that matter. I like the whole thing to like an outline of the whole book, really. Um, and you want to read a book like this and f- essentially find essential teachings. Otherwise, it's easy to get tripped up on all these kind of, there's all kind of details like that. You can, wait a minute, you know, this is a long time ago. That was, a, you know, and, and it's just, it, 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 one of the messages of Bhagavad about time is that it's long times. The <laughs> world hasn't, wasn't created 6,000 years ago. Right? <laughs> you know, things like that. Uh, they, I talked about this in the beginning of this section. Hindus and Hindu religion has a uh, more so than any other religion periods of time that they accept that are much closer to scientific findings in the world today. The very description of the world, the universe, in, uh, expanding and contracting and so forth. If you study that carefully, in the previous con- uh, expanded universe that contracts informs the, 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 the next expanding universe. There's correspondence within scientific thinking and observable evidence in the world today, more so than a lot of other religious traditions and so forth. So there's what's happening when they speak about the world and time and so forth, they're speaking about it in a poetic way because their preoccupation is not with matter, the objective world, but with the subjective world, consciousness. For the Goswamis, for Narada, the most important forces in the world aren't gravity, electromagnetic forces, it's dasyam, sakyam, vatsalyam. And these are undeniably the most important forces. Because 
when it's all said and done, you know, even if the you know, gravity stops, you're going to grab on your kids so that they'll float away. <laughs> right? <laughs> so that the most powerful force is love, is affection, and so forth. This is the subjective realm. Where for, it has to do with consciousness. So they're preoccupied with that. And you can't talk about that in mathematical language. So they talk about it, and then in the context of that, they talk sometimes about the external world, the objective world, and they speak about it in a rather poetic way. I don't mean to say that, it, that it's less accurate of a description of the world. I think it's a more accurate description of the world to speak about it poetically. Poetic Poetry tends to... is a participatory language. Math is, not a, is a language that doesn't encourage our participation. It encourages us to control things. Poetry wants to say it can't be controlled. The moon had wings and it flew across the sky. It seeks to expand the nature of the world. So... You, you want to come back in then, or we tend to, Western people, the curse of Western, the Western civilization is rationality, which, you know, is placed on the altar. How inappropriately. So it, it's so, um, it's such a small thing. It's such a small thing. I said earlier today, well, if you love someone, they'll tell you all your secrets. What does that have to do with reasoning? There's a reasoning to that, yeah. What's the reasoning? The reasoning is there's something more than reason. Hmm? It's love. Hmm? So, and it's, it's practical. If you love someone, you're going to find everything out about them. Hmm? More than if you think about them, analyze them, you want to write a book about them, this is what the guy's really like, you know. So, talk to his wife, you know. What he's really like. You know? Talk to his kids. He's not that great, you know. <laughs> Whatever. You know, so, uh, so the, this is kind of a very essential um, uh, uh, message that comprehensive knowing will not be arrived at by, as a, by a rational exercise only in as much as we reason that there's a more comprehensive means of knowing and that is loving. And when we enter into love, then the, the language has to become song, it has to become poetry, which are less exact, less precise, but more accurate <laughs> at the same time because of the nature of the subject. The subject is consciousness and the supreme consciousness. It's not matter that you can measure and it has boundaries, you know, and, uh, and you can control and so forth. Hmm? So you have to have a different language to talk about it and... Uh, and so, you, when you, you, you want to use your reason to enter into the Bhagavatam, it, it invites that, hmm? bring your reason on, but it wants to reason like this in a way to put reasoning in its place. Because if it raises up its ugly face and takes over you, hmm? you know, we want to use our intelligence, we don't want to be used by our intelligence. And it's very easy to be used by your intelligence. And as a result, find yourself outside of the stream of bhakti. Hmm. So you want to be a little careful. These books weren't written like with that kind of thing in mind to answer all those kind of sew all those things together, every detail about the world and the yugas and the times and it, that's not that's another book. This book is how to love. Hmm? That's what it's about. And some of the, it, you know it has some some details. It, it gives it a context and a structure and so forth. But if you want to enter in, you can come up with all kinds of questions like that. Hmm? Like that fellow asked Prabhupada, you know, Prabhupada, I was reading a Krishna book, and Nanda Maharaj has 900,000 cows. 
Now, Vrindavan is only this many feet, you know, in miles. You couldn't fit 900,000 cows on there. Hmm? And this is kind of the same thing, you know. And Prabhupada said, you read too much. <laughs> okay, so, you know, and the question answered for, 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 I don't know, for some people, anyway. At least for me. So, there's a way of going about this. And it's difficult because, you know, here we are, we're driven by hopefully reason. Hmm? Right? That's what's supposed to differentiate us from the animal species. That's our glory. But I like to say, well, it's more than that. The glory is that we can love. Hmm? That we can give. It's not reasonable that if you give, you'll gain. Reason would tell us you'd lose. If I have ten, I give you five. I've got five now. How do I have more? Where's the more? Hmm? But our experience in life is if we actually give, we become bigger people. We become more full. We gain something that is intangible from a material point of view, but very palpable, very tangible from a personal, experiential point of view, and other people can experience too. He's a bigger person. She's a bigger person. She gave. Hmm? And could live with less. Wow. And these are the people who will always stand out more as the heroes and heroines of the world. Hmm? Not someone that, you know, much more, much more. I mean, then your Einstein, they're good too, but these people, they, 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 they went against the current. Hmm? They tested the waters and said, you know, it's cold over here. I'm, I'm not going to swim here. Hmm? They, they turned their back on the current of the world and they didn't end up empty-handed. We can see it. They, they. They're standing on solid ground. I can't see the ground. Looks like he's walking on water. <laughs> but there's a foundation there. I can see it. And I ah, so I'm inspired. I want to follow that. There's something there. It's invisible to me now. But this person, the sadhu, becomes like the lighthouse. There's land. I see the light. The lighthouse, right? There's land, land. We're just like swimming in this ocean of material existence. And the sadhu comes like a, like a lighthouse there. The land, there's land here. You can attain it. And you may be far out in the ocean, but you have hope now. Hmm? And courage and the strength to go the distance. All the lights. So, we have to learn like how the Bhagavatam is written in order to really kind of, in a general sense, to how to get out of it what it has to say. Otherwise, you know, we end up thinking important things in the Bhagavatam are, are something else altogether, all you know. The fifth canto, how the planets are situated, everything. You know. The reason that that came up, for example, was because Pariksit Maharaj wanted to, wanted to glor- wanted to hear something about Krishna. He said, "Tell me something about the material world, how it works, because I'm convinced it's all product of Krishna, and so that will increase my love for Krishna." So, <laughs> as much as reading that section today will inspire your love of Krishna, it has value. So, I don't mean to dismiss your your question and all, but but. 
that's the answer <laughs> to those kinds of uh, kinds of questions. What else? Any other question? <laughs> At your own risk. <laughs> Forewarned. Tattva hmm? Sandarbha, that's what established the Puranas as superior to yeah. what was it, the Shruti? Shruti, yeah. Yeah. Smriti, the about the, the Puranas and amongst them Srimad Bhagavatam. Mm-hmm. Makes a long argument, epistemological argument. How do we know what we know? What's the epistemology? How do you know what you know? So he says, We don't know what we know. The sense perception is 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 problematic. We could know something by our senses, but how much do we is it true? Mm-hmm. By by extension reasoning might help us, but that's limited too. And he goes to Vedic evidence, Shruti. Hmm? If God wants you to know, you could know. Ah, so there's a perfect way of knowing. After all, my mind, my reasoning, my senses, they are a product of my material absorption. So they're not going to be that much under themselves a solution to my problem. The solution has to come from beyond. It's the idea of revelation, that if I'm to know perfectly, which everybody wants to know, everybody wants perfect knowledge, which means they want to be perfectly happy. Hmm? Everybody wants perfect knowledge, which translates into the action that makes one perfectly happy. Hmm? And so, if it exists, there has to be a perfect method. So this is the perfect method, you fold your hands. Hmm? Because the other instruments we have are, are you know, it's a heart exercise to fold your hands, are, are limited. Hmm? So, if God wants us to know, we can know, therefore, Shruti, right? The whole, that's the whole idea of the Vedic evidence. Hmm? And it was heard directly from God, and then it was reiterated. And so he says, "Well, here's the problem with the Shruti." He makes an argument: what's the problem? What's the limitations are? Hmm? Then he goes to Vedanta Sutra. He says, "Maybe then, because Vedanta Sutra is the attempt to make sense out of all the Upanishads, show the concordance and the logic of them. It's the it's the logic of the Upanishads." He says, "Yeah, well, that would be that's better, but then it's in codes and it's hard to figure out and so forth." And so. Hmm. I guess he goes to the Puranas and then he goes to Vedanta Sutra and he says, and it happens to be a commentary on the Vedanta Sutra. That's the Bhagavatam. Yeah. The long argument. It's a very nice argument. So therefore, Srimad Bhagavatam is the hub around which all this Vedic evidence, this sound, should be understood properly. So if we understand all the Upanishadic statements and whatnot, other Puranas and so forth, all in light of Srimad Bhagavatam. Hmm? If it says so, seems to say something different than Srimad Bhagavatam, then we have to show how it, 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 it's saying it for a reason, and it's not Siddhanta, or how it actually sounds like it's saying one thing, but it's actually, look in a broader context, it's actually saying what the Bhagavatam says. It's a very interesting uh, um, argument that he makes. This is the beginning of Tepes and Darbo. So yeah. did that book get around and people read it and it had an influence? Tepes and Darbo? Yeah. Well, it had as much influence as there's a Gaudiya Sampradaya. It's, it's, uh, it, 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 there, there are still people who, who don't, who are uh, Ramanujas who don't think that the Bhagavatam is the central hub around which everything were, but he, he had enough influence that he could create faith in others and, and start a whole sampradaya, mm-hmm. the Chaitanya Sampradaya. 
convince some people. <laughs> well, it strengthened us internally. Hmm? Strengthened our movement internally. Yeah, well, it was at the. This is the time of the formation of the Sampradaya, hmm? and um, you know, it, it it converted people. It it, it people who had faith in Mahaprabhu were given a structure, a philosophy. Then, hmm? uh, through the Sandarbhas, primarily a philosophy, a, a written out a theology, to to which articulates their faith and so forth. Like Ramanuja gave a philosophy to articulate the faith and the experience of the Alwars. They just wrote poems and so forth. Mystic Alwar, they were the precursors to Ramanuja. He took their devotion and he systemized it into the Vishishtadvaita doctrine. So Jiva Goswami took Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's ecstasy and then he showed it, he located it in the scriptures. Ultimately it comes to Srimad Bhagavatam. It's Krishna, Sri, Mad Bhagavatam, under the influence of Radha. That's what Srimad Bhagavatam is about. Hmm? That's what Chaitanya is about. So he located the ecstasy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and said, Ah, here, here it's Srimad Bhagavatam. It's an academic exercise, in a sense. Hmm? So otherwise, you might be inspired by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. You might want to follow him, um, but you wouldn't have much credibility amongst learned people unless you could articulate it and scripturally sub- sub- substantiate it and so on and so forth. And of course they reason, the Goswamis, that anybody who acts like this is what the scripture is all about. This person utters the name of Krishna and falls into a trance, into a swoon. This person has such... Krishna is God, okay? You don't need to read the Bhagavatam to know that. I mean, everybody accepts that in the, in the Vedic world. Krishna spoke the Gita and so forth. This person just utters the two syllables Krishna and falls into a trance. And we can't contain him. Hmm? So they, they reasoned, you know, this has got to be in the scriptures and it's got to be what the scriptures are all about. Here it is. Now we've got to find how it is and show it to other people who need that. They didn't need it, but other people would need it. Hmm? So they showed it. Still not everybody will accept it in the same same way, but they're not listening that well. Or they have another bhava, which is okay then. They can Krishna can be seen from different angles. Hmm? If you want to think that Krishna is an incarnation of Vishnu, you can. Go to Bhaikuntha, that's what they think there. That's their experience. If you want to think that Narayan is the incarnation of Krishna, then you go to Golok and you look from that perspective. But in Bhaikuntha they don't have that perspective. So we don't dismiss that perspective altogether. Hmm? We want we would like to convince someone that, that Narayan is the avatar of of, of 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 Krishna, but if we see, no, this guy's not moving, and he really likes the idea that Krishna's the avatar of Narayan and he's got some bhakti, hey go for it. Go to Vaikuntha. Phantom. Offer him incense. If anybody from Vaikuntha comes into the brudge, what will the gopis do? They will say, oh, it's for the, one of those Vaikuntha guys. We don't care about them. No, Trinadapi, Sunni, They worship them. <laughs> so, so if, they're, if, they're, if they have some adhika for what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was given, then Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. If they don't, then either they've got an arthas or they've got some destiny. Hmm? 
for seeing it another way. That we like too. Anything else? Do stuff there. Grantara Srimad Bhagavatam Jai. Gold Bhakta Bindati Jai. How do you go follow Jai? Jai. Jai Sri Bhaktivedam Goswami Prabhupada Jai. Jai. Kirtak Sri Radeva Goswami Maharaj Jai. Jai. Bhakti Bindu Puri Bhar Jai.